chapter number three, very uh, special night in the life of our church, and um, if you don't know it, next, next month we'll celebrate 16 years as a local church, and if, you're, uh, if your memory uh, is at all short, I could give you our history this, this, sort of, this quickly. Um, there was a congregation here, and that congregation... This, that congregation died, and the building was sitting here, and, and um, God, uh, God put a calling, I think particularly on, on my family's life, my wife and I, and, and then uh, we challenged Brett to join in with us, and he did, and, and uh, for 16 years, I think God's been faithful in continuing to give us a gathered group of the people of God that we have been calling East Rock, and we have taken great pains to pray for every good sort of Bible growth we could have, and tonight we're continuing to see one of those prayers answered as God raised up deacons to serve this local body. Uh, if you didn't grab a bulletin, grab a bulletin. I'm not going to take the time to say everything I want to say, but I was most encouraged by something that someone wrote in the third century where painted this picture of uh, the elders and the deacons working together like father and son, and they meant the father and the son. And it was such a beautiful picture because the father and the son only has the greatest concern and care for the people of God. And then it painted a picture of that tandem working so intimately together that um, they would give good care over his redeemed people and I just thought it was an excellent and beautiful reading. And I, I wanted to take some time to read three chapters from that writing. So be thankful that I only quoted one paragraph and um, know that you'll get Mexican food before midnight. Uh, if you have your Bibles, again, I'd ask you to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'll read a few verses beginning at verse number 8. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to too much wine, uh, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must, be, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, tonight as we come aside to, to lay hands on and pray over some men that you've been, you've been working in them and on them and through them, you have called them into the most holy faith. You have planted them here in this geographical area. You have covenanted them with this body. And they have proven by their faithfulness and fidelity, by their service, that they are men worthy of this calling. And so tonight, might they receive this exhortation and this charge, and might we, with Holy Spirit-led confidence, might we take up their example of service. In Jesus we pray, amen and amen. Well, there's some areas that I would like to discuss, and I'd like to do it very quickly, just to give you guys some sense 
of what we believe the character of deacons should be like. And um, we saw last week, um, if you weren't here, I'll give you a, the, the shortest recap of a sermon ever. We saw that in the calling of the first deacons, they were really meant to be a problem-solving gift to the local church. Amen? They were meant to be a problem-solving gift to the local church. And so we believe, we believe that our deacons are a gift. Amen? They are a gift. And so, guys, don't y'all stop acting like gifts. Amen? In Jesus' name. Always be fun for us to unbox. That's what a gift is. It's fun to unwrap. Um, a gift is always useful. A gift is always a pleasure. And so I think the office of deacons are still a gift to the local church. Tonight, though, let's look at, our, at, at the character, the biblical, the biblical report of the character of deacons. First, let's see this. Deacons display godly personal character. Go back and look at verse number eight. They are men of dignity, I'd say. They, that's what the Bible calls them to be. Now, what does that mean? It means they're honorable. They're respectable. They're respectable. I, I had this crazy dream last night. I have, a, I have a Care Bear shirt. Everybody in my family has a Care Bear shirt. I'm apparently Grumpy Bear. And, uh, and apparently in my dream, Care had given me a pair of shorts that had some other Grumpy, I mean, some other Care Bear on the posterior. And in my dream, I was walking around and Care was telling every, uh, everyone was telling Care, like, what is he doing? Why is he walking around with this Care Bear on his behind? And everyone uh, was was sort of urging her to get me to stop dressing like this. And Care would just say, he doesn't care. He don't care. He don't care. He don't care. And I never could figure out what the dream means. You know why? Because I don't even wear T-shirts in public. What am I doing walking around with a Care Bear on my behind? If you see me with a T-shirt, it usually means you're at my house or you've gone swimming with me. Well, the matters of morality are much deeper than whether we would act silly in public. We're not talking about the occasional uh, mishap. We're not talking about some strange cultural behavior like Care Bear shorts. We're talking about people who display uh, esteem and, and, and are respectable in public. And I would say with no doubt, God is raising up deacons in this church who are respectable. They're also not to be double-tongued. Now, that's becoming increasingly hard to find in this world. Now, what's that mean? It means they're not two-faced. They're not insincere. Uh, one of the biggest things I brag about on my wife all the time, people will say, your wife is so sweet. And I'll say, she's like that all the time until she's not. Her vast disposition is sweetness, though. What you guys see is what you get. She's like that at home. The, 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 the proof of that would be how we three, Care, Katie, and uh, I mean, Katie, Rachel, and I, how we three pick on her nonstop. And most of the time, she just giggles or says, I mean, really. Or seriously. And just keeps giggling, right? My, my, my wife is the same everywhere you see her. Well, what we want is we want deacons who speak the same wherever you see them. They don't walk out of some meeting having taken someone's side and then go into a meeting and take the other person's side. They stand in both meetings on God's side. 
and they speak for the Lord. Speak to people for the Lord. They speak to the Lord for people, not insincere. If they're insincere, one writer said their words cannot be trusted and they lack credibility. Also, they're not addicted to much wine, and I would say, or anything else. All of us should be careful of our addictions up to and including even gluttony or too many video games or too much TV or too much of some hobby that doesn't make you more like Jesus. If deacons were to have some sort of addiction, we might commend them for the addiction of service. We might commend them for the addiction of love. We might commend them for the addiction to God's word. But any untoward thing, you don't want a person who's addicted, not only to wine, but much of anything else. Also, when it comes to, when it comes to having godly personal character, you want men who aren't greedy for dishonest gain. I would also say not greedy for honest gain. You don't want people who are workaholics, you might say. Go back and look at that verse, greedy for dishonest gain. Now, why is this an issue? Because if someone will do something slick to make money, they'll do something slick for other reasons too. It's just true. If you're finding a slick operator in one category, they're likely to be a slick operator in another category. If you find somebody who is always looking for a reason not to report their income, it's likely they'll have some reason not to report other things they do. If you find that person who would hide their money, they'll likely hide their text conversations and vice versa. This is an indicator of a slick operator, and we want straightforward people to be the servants in our local church. Secondly, I would say that the Bible shows us deacons should have a sound spiritual life. I love, now we'll have to get with God one day on this, but I love in verse number 9 how he doesn't just say they love the Bible. He says they hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. That's actually much deeper than first glance. It's actually sermon worthy. It means they're not know-it-alls, but they're really clear about what they do know. How do you like that? What can wash away my sins? And isn't that a mystery in and of itself? I know it fully to be true, but isn't it a mystery in and of itself? Do you see how we can know something with assurance but not be a know-it-all? I'll tell you what I'm most surprised about when I sing that song. Not that the blood of Jesus could wash away some sins, but he's willing to apply his blood to mine. This is the character of people who live and serve the body of Christ. One translation said they should be sound in the faith. I, I almost used that translation tonight because I was so enamored of that rendering of the Greek here. They, they must hold the mystery of, of, of faith or sound in faith. Except it leaves out that mystery they're people who are held in this tension where they're sure about their confession, but they're in awe of the living God. I want to walk with people like that. I want to walk with people who walk by faith and they have a clear conscience about their life and their lifestyle, their habits, their hobbies, and their religious duty. It, wouldn't it be great to have a clear conscience in all matters? 
Not sure whether you have a clear conscience? Oh, if you're married, just ask your wife if you have anything wrong with you. If you're not, if you're not married, or even if you are married, boldly take up a look at the Ten Commandments and just see, am I walking soundly in the major areas of sin and faith? We want to see people who serve our local church, who have a clear conscience, who appreciate the awesomeness of God, but who know simple truth, saving truth, sanctifying truth with deep conviction. Thirdly, deacons live lives that prove Christian service and morality. You know, a lot of times in, um, in congregational life, and I wouldn't say just Baptist life, but all of those congregational type denominations, a lot of times... We will have these, these meetings, you know, these committee meetings, like they'll have the nominating committee. And the nominating committee will simply look at the blanks that are on a committee and say, let's see if we can find someone to plug into this, this blank. I hate that mentality. I'll tell you, I hate it. So we're not selecting deacons because we got blanks on a piece of paper. These deacons have already been selected by their fidelity, by their service, by their lives. In verse number 10 of, of, of 1 Timothy 3, it tells us very, very clearly here that it said, let them also be tested. Don't, don't have any newbies. Now, I, I can only ever tell this testimony about one time in my life. There was one time in my life where my home church, uh, and at that time, you know, Brenda, Kent, y'all were there. Brett, you were there. You were a little kid. I, I come up, uh, I was nominated as a deacon. And it scared me to death. Uh, just flat scared me to death. And I, I, I wasn't speechless. I'm hardly ever speechless. I can say something stupid at the drop of a hat anytime. But I wisely said, I, I, don't, I don't think I understand all of what a deacon should be. Let me get back to you. I started reading the scriptures. I was like, uh-uh. I was disqualified very quickly by this part of this verse. I hadn't been a Christian long enough. I, honest to God, I wasn't even sure I wasn't going to fall apart. How could y'all be sure I wasn't going to fall apart? And, and I don't mean like anybody could fall apart, amen? You ever have days you feel like you're about to fall apart? But I meant pretty immediately, pretty severely. <laughs> I wasn't so sure of myself. I don't know where these people got this confidence in me. But I went back and said, not right now. I'm not tested. But I want to be tested. And I said, Lord, test me. Try me. Show me the wicked ways that I know are in me and help me to grow. And when the next year came around, somehow those crazy people brought my name up again. And this time, I could tell you I had been tested that year, and I had stuck to the, the confession of faith. I had stuck to the people of God. I had been a tested man. I had stuck to my commitments, my friendships, and in my relationships. And so when it came back around, I myself knew I was tested. The people need to know that someone is tested, but that man, that person, they themselves need to know they are tested too. And when it tells us here that they should be blameless, this doesn't mean that they're perfect. It means overall in their character. You see someone who even in their flaws are willing to face them and to seek God's face through them. Fourthly, deacons have a solid, godly home life. That's what verses 11 and 12 tell us. It says uh, they should have a, a godly wife. Uh, they should have 
They should be the husband of one wife. Uh, and that's a difficult phrase to understand if you look it up in the, group, uh, in the Greek. But I think it just means simply a one-woman man. There are many in Christian life who would, who would disqualify divorced men. Like that's the one mistake you can never come back from. I posed to a group of pastors one time. I said, so you're telling me that because it doesn't say um, no murderers, that a murderer is qualified, but a man can't come back from a divorce? And, of course, they were stuttering. I said, let's look at what the phrase really means. What does it really mean? It means someone who, have, who for a season in their life, whatever else has gone on, they are right now and have been for some time of testing, most definitely a one-woman man. A one-woman man. And then also, it tells us in verse number 12 that they should manage the, their children and their households well. Well, anyone who can manage children well, we should get them a job herding cats. Managing children well is a difficult job. Let the parents say amen, amen right? But what does this mean? It means you have a working relationship with your children where you're after their heart and they know yours. Let me say that again. You're after their hearts and they know yours. doesn't mean your children have become androids or robots. It doesn't mean you never have a disagreement. It doesn't mean you never make a bad step as a parent. I've made some bad steps as a parent. Any other parents made any bad steps? Casey raised his hand like it might have been today. <laughs> I'll tell you, one, 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 one brother came to me one time, said, so I'm a deacon in my church, and I'm having a very hard time with my son. And just, am I disqualified? Just broken. Just broken. And I said, look, first, let's just go kick your sons behind. We'll do it together. And then we'll talk about it. They were going through a tough season. The general characteristic of that father was he was for the heart of his children. And it was only his children's blindness that didn't see his heart. We're not talking about perfect homes. But we are talking about pointed homes. Homes pointed at the feet of Christ. Last but not least, and very quickly, deacons have an expectation that God is worthy of faithful service. I love verse 13. For those who serve well, you can have the expectation that people will appreciate you. They'll be thankful for you. Their lives will be enriched by you. You should have that expectation. They won't always be thankful. <laughs> they won't always be appreciative. They won't always feel encouraged. But ultimately, we know the calling of service is meant for the upbuilding of the body. And they also can expect that this service will grow their faith. I've often said that I know that whatever God made lizards out of, it's the same thing he makes a godly tongue out of. Because I have bitten mine off so many times, and it's grown back. Y'all think I say a lot? You don't got a clue what I don't say. I have the expectation that in caring for people, I have that expectation that it'll grow my faith, and sometimes my faith is grown simply by hushing up and waiting with the Lord to do a work. Uh, my faith is grown by forgiving people. 
My faith is grown by serving people. My faith is grown by standing with people who are going through very hard times. The loss of a child, the death of a parent, corruption and injustice that affects their lives, the loss of a job, struggle in a marriage. You men who serve the body of Christ, your faith will grow, not because everything will be rosy, but because the service you render will put you on your knees. Now, I want to quote a, a passage to y'all that has nothing to do with deacons, but this is more of my personal word. I'm going to give you guys one more shot to not go forward. In Joshua 24, these verses read, I give you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness, Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was leading Israel into the promised land. And he said, listen, God's been good to y'all. You got to decide whether you're going to be on his side or not whether you're going to give obedience, whether you're going to give allegiance to him. Brothers, dear brothers, Brother Dale, Brother Larry, Brother Mike, God's been good to you boys. Say amen. And if out of his goodness you cannot serve him, if you cannot make this vow to be humble servants, then don't. Then don't. But to quote Casey Adams, who quoted Bob Dylan, you got to serve somebody. Can't do it as good as Casey did. Wait a minute. You got to serve somebody. Huh? Would you like to say something, Casey? Come Uh-huh. I want your calling to come from a clear conscience. Amen? All jokes aside. And it should come from a clear conscience. Because if God called you into it, if God talked you into it, we won't talk you out of it. Brad, how many times have I told you guys that my life matters when it comes to raising funds and people say, you're a beggar or you're this. If God called you to that and God gave you the assignment, people's comments are not going to back you up off of it. It's like that serving anywhere with the Lord. Amy, how many times have I exhorted you over the past nearly three years? God called you to this thing of parenting. And all the circumstances aren't going to knock you off of that. You're going to hold fast. On and on and on and on. Dear wife, how many times over the last 30 years when you've cried and prayed and struggled through your profession, I said, listen, you told me God called you to that. If God called you to that, and you know God called you to that, and these people and these circumstances and these tough times are not going to draw you out. Men, I'm telling you, God's called you to something. People won't run you off of it. They might try your behind in it, but they won't run you off of it. I want to give you one more chance in your hearts to make sure you're, you're serving with a free will, clear conscience. A song I love by Charles Wesley reads like this. I'll read it poetically. You definitely don't want me singing it. 
Charles Wesley wrote this, a charge to keep I have, a God to glorify, a never dying soul to save and fit it for the sky, to serve the present age my calling to fulfill, oh may it all my powers engage to do my master's will. Arm me with watchful care as in thy sight to live and now thy servant Lord prepare a strict account to give. Help me to watch and pray and still on thee rely. Oh, let me not thy trust betray, but press to realms on high. Brothers, you have a charge to keep. Shannon, you have a charge to keep. Ori, you have a charge to keep. If you have a calling, you have a charge to keep. Before we bring these men forward to pray over them, I would like to issue some charges to some different groups in the room. If at the end of this charge, if you would agree to, to receive this charge, I'd ask you to say, as God helps us, we do. First, I'd make a charge to any of those who know you've been called to be elders in God's church. I charge you, elders, as shepherds of the flock, to hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that you might encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. I charge you to be a friend and a Christ-like example to children. I charge you to give clear and happy guidance to young people. I charge you by word and example to bear up God's people in their pain and in their weakness in their sins and in their failures, and to celebrate with them their successes and their joys. I charge you to hold in trust all sensitive matters confided to you. I charge you to encourage the aged to persevere in God's promises. I charge you to try to be wise counselors who support and strengthen those who serve alongside you. I charge you to be compassionate, yet firm, consistent in rebuke and discipline, and consistent in encouragement and comfort. I charge you to know the scriptures, which are useful for teaching, useful for rebuking, useful for correcting, useful for training, and useful in all these ways for righteousness. I charge you to pray continually for the church. I charge you to be thankful and rejoice always. I charge you to give spiritual leadership to your household both the household of faith and your household in the faith. I charge you to be completely mastered by your Lord. Elders, do you promise to receive this charge as I have given you today? To the deacons and to the deacon candidates. I have a charge for you as well. In simplest terms, I charge you to love Jesus. I charge you to love your families. And I charge you to love the flock God is calling you to serve. I charge you to inspire faithful ministries of service first in one another and in those around you. I charge you to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. I charge you to teach us 
to be merciful. Teach us to seize new opportunities to minister to people in need. I charge you to give the offerings of your time, talent, and treasure with open hands, clear consciences, and ready hearts. I charge you to realize that benevolence is a quality of life the body is called to live, not simply an act we're called to do. I charge you to be responsible with our resources as you care for others. I, ch I charge you to minister to poor and rich alike, not being a respecter of persons. And I charge you to love people, even your critics, to love them with the love of Christ. I charge you in all your ministries to help us seek the face of God and to participate in the redemptive plan of God at all times and in all ways. I charge you to be men of reason, biblical insight. I charge you to be servants of love. Deacons, prospective deacons, do you promise to receive this charge? Men? I, mean, I couldn't hear y'all. Y'all sound scared. <laughs> Who said I am? Yeah, we're to beat you. <laughs> One last charge to the people, to the people, particularly the people of East Rock, and certainly if you happen to be a visitor here today and you would think well of the leaders in your church and the leaders in the body of Christ, you can wholeheartedly receive this charge as well. I charge you to recognize these leaders as the Lord's kindness, his gift, his provision. I charge you to see them as servants health for our congregation. I charge you to hold them in honor, to take their counsel and at least consider it, but definitely to weigh it against the scriptures. I charge you to respond to them with respect. I charge you to accept their health, help with gratitude. I charge you to wholeheartedly hear their calls of participation in service and ministry. I charge you to sustain them in prayer and encourage them with word and deed, especially when they feel the burden of their office. I charge you to acknowledge them as God's servants among you. Do you, congregation, pledge to receive them as you have been charged? Okay, they got it right, y'all. <laughs> At this time... At this time, I'd like to ask our three deacon candidates to come up. Uh, Shannon, would you come and, and I'll tell you guys what's going to happen. So that you know, as Shannon gets us, helps us get us set up. If you're, in a, if you're an ordained uh, deacon or if you happen to be an ordained elder, we would invite you in just a couple moments to line up along this, your left, my right hand wall. Our, our team, our music team is going to come forward and we want you singing over us. And what we're going to do is, uh, we're going to come up to each one of these men who will be sitting here in front of you all, and we're going to lay hands on them one by one and, and pray over them. Uh, and it won't be a rushed process, and I, I pray it'll be a worshipful process. And um, uh, I, I know this is a bit informal. Larry, would you do better with one of these blue chairs, you think? You sure? Spread them out a little bit there, Shannon. Yeah. You got one? Okay, let's get him in one. Spread them out a little bit, brother. We want you to not pass out from pain.
If you happen to be a visitor, Larry just got a, um, Lord help me, a surgery. Thank you, Marcy. A back surgery. A back surgery. Oh, uh, Shannon, we're going to walk behind them, brother. Move them up a little bit, if you don't mind. Uh, so we can slap them in the head just to get them started. Um, I'm going to pray, and as I pray, would you, would you men come forward and take up your place, and, um, and uh, would you lead your team forward, John? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that, um, <laughs> thank you you've answered our prayers. Thank you that our congregation is growing, and thank you that you're still gifting us with people to love the body of Christ. Lord, our elders have received fresh charge. The deacons have received fresh charge. The congregation has received fresh charge. Lord, may we, may we feel your hand upon us through your kindness to us by raising up people who care for us. Now, God, as we, as we sing over this moment, and as the ordained brothers in the room pray over this moment, we pray, God, that as we, in our humble and human way, seek to set these men apart, that it will simply be us recognizing what you've already done. In Jesus, I pray, amen and amen.